Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. A year after the arrival of COVID-19 in America, and we know a lot more about the virus today. What remains a bit of a mystery, though, is how and why some COVID patients still suffer weeks and months after recovery. Body aches, the headache, um, the dizziness, the loss of sense of taste and smell, the mind fog, the, there were, you know, dozens of symptoms that just kind of came in waves. Today, we know it as post-COVID syndrome, and it is a very real thing for hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of Americans and their families. We figured that one of us would probably get it, but we had no idea it would go on for almost a full year. And what makes it a deeper mystery is how every patient seems to be different. Every time I meet a patient, I learn, I learn something new. Everyone seems to sort of have their unique, a unique-like flavor of post-COVID. This week on 880 In-Depth, we dig into the topic of COVID long haulers. But this story has a happy ending. Hi, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? How are you? I am good. How are you? Much better. <laughs> The COVID long haul journey from despair to recovery and the hope it may bring to millions suffering their own post-COVID nightmares. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Tim Scheld. Caitlin Barber's story of recovery is amazing and you will hear from her shortly. But first, post-COVID syndrome is very real by some estimates, from 2% to 25% of all COVID survivors have logged some form of post-COVID syndrome symptoms, many for weeks, even months after their recovery. And with so many people reporting these symptoms, doctors are beginning to learn more about the mystery of these COVID long haulers. I guess just seeing more patients and learning more about um, patterns and, and similarities amongst patients did help us to sort of narrow our focus in a way, um, but I think there's still a lot to be, to be learned. Dr. Joan Bosco is from Mount Sinai Hospital here in Manhattan and their post-COVID center. They began seeing people early last spring when COVID patients began complaining of significant and nagging post-virus issues. It became a full-time specialty for Dr. Bosco and her team. They've since treated 1,800 patients and are now talking about opening up new centers to help with the demand. 
They're taking appointments today for August. Dr. Bosco spent time this week with our Peter Haskell for our story about long haulers. I basically am almost like the primary care, myself and, and, and a few other providers are like the primary care doctors of the post-COVID center. So basically we sort of see patients um, who are having post-COVID, who had COVID and are still having symptoms. Um, and we see them and we sort of do in, intake with them. And then we, um, you know, address their symptoms and then refer out to other specialists if necessary. And we're sort of like the, I guess, like the the point person, so to speak, for the um, for their post-COVID care. When did the center open? And over that period of time, what have you learned? Uh, so the center opened, I believe, late May. Um, I started working here in early June. Um, and so we, we've been learning a lot. We've been seeing um, a lot of interesting symptoms post-COVID that we originally um, didn't necessarily know were associated with the post-COVID syndrome. Um, and so we are, we're, um, every time I meet a, a patient, I learn, I learn something new, really, about, about the post-COVID syndrome. So what we're sort of learning is that there is a general trend overall to patients, um, to symptoms patients experience post-COVID, but everyone seems to sort of have their unique, a unique, like, flavor of post-COVID um, syndrome, if that makes sense. There's a variety of symptoms that you can see post-COVID, and some, you know, some patients have absolutely no symptoms, and they just come because they sort of want to be involved in research or get, you know, sort of checked up, but they feel fine. Um, so very, you know, mild or no symptoms to, you know, very significant um, symptoms. Um, significant fatigue, um, significant um, what's called dysautonomia, which is basically like our bodies can't regulate our autonomic nervous system, which is our nervous system that, um, our fight or flight nervous system. So the the system that tells us like danger, we need to run away or fight. Um, So we see a lot of dysregulation of this autonomic nervous system, which can present as um, inappropriate uh, racing heart or inappropriate drop in blood pressure when they, you know, when patients stand up, um, inappropriate GI symptoms, so inappropriate diarrhea or indigestion. Um, so we see that. We see um, what's sort of being colloquially called this post-COVID brain fog, which can be, you know, a little bit of mild, maybe I can't, you know, work as fast as I used to, to pretty significant impairment with memory and and um, concentration. Um, we see a lot of neuropathy, which is like nerve um, nerve pain, numbness, tingling, um, nerve symptoms. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety, depression related to symptoms and also sort of apart from symptoms as well, sort of new from COVID. Uh, I would say those are probably the main big ones that we see, but then there's, you know, other things as well. So does it seem all of these things are linked to this dysautonomia? Um, not necessarily. Um, I think dysautonomia is responsible for a lot of these symptoms, but, um, but certainly not, not, not necessarily. You can certainly have other symptoms that are not at all related or, or completely separate. How do you treat people? For dysautonomia? Just in general, people come in, they've got a range of symptoms. They've come from doctors who say, I have no idea. They come here, what do you do for them? 
Yeah, so that's a great question, and it's it's a frustrating question for us and for the patients as well, because for a lot of these things, there really is no no treatment or cure. There's not like you know a medication or a pill we can give that will make them feel better. Um, and that's, I think, frustrating for us. It's frustrating for the patients. Um, it's also frustrating for us because we uh, we like to tell patients what to expect in the course of their, you know, of their recovery. We like to say, okay, in six months, you know, you're going to be feeling this or, you know, expected, expected uh, things to expect are A and B. We can't really say this in, the, in this case. Um, so uh, really, um, a lot of the treatment is sort of symptomatic treatment, so sort of working on managing symptoms. Um, for the uh, fatigue and dysautonomia, we do have a, a post-COVID rehab program, which is a supervised exercise program that um, helps patients to sort of gradually increase their stamina and their, um, and their strength, which seems to be very helpful. Um, yeah, and then, like I said, symptomatic treatment is really, um, really what we're doing. Um, okay, so what symptoms are still sort of persistent? other than the lights and sound. So the light and, and sound. Um, yeah, my appetite isn't great. Um, I kind of... We spent time with Dr. Bosco at the Mount Sinai Center here in Manhattan, and one of the most interesting things she told us was this post-COVID condition isn't as surprising as some may think. We have seen this before. We have seen post-viral syndromes before from other, other viruses, other infections. So mono, for example, can sometimes have a period of many months of malaise after um, even flu, um, even like the original SARS, SARS virus. We have seen this before with other viruses. Um, I think the difference here is that it's just on such a larger scale. Everyone, at least in New York, everyone got sick March and April. Everyone's having this post -COVID, their post-COVID symptoms at the same time. So it seems like it's on such a grand scale. And so I think that's what makes it seem so almost new, although we have seen this before with other viruses. So what's happening here at Mount Sinai that's not happening at other places where they're still throwing their hands up in the air and saying, geez, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure because I'm not sure exactly what's happening at other places, but um, uh, I would say I think we're, we're luckily, lucky to be in a position of, um, of almost a position of privilege because we were able to see so many post-COVID patients, um, especially in the beginning when there weren't other post-COVID centers. Um, so we, did ha we were in a very privileged position to be able to learn from these patients um, and, and now you know, have a little bit of knowledge um, to, share, to share with them. Um, I think just because we were able to see so many in the beginning. Is part of it just getting a lot of specialists under one roof? I think that is a part of it. Um, we do have a team of specialists working with us that it's very helpful because we all communicate and we can say, okay, like you're, you know, having residual shortness of breath, I'm going to have you see our post-COVID um, pulmonologist. Um, so I think, you know, I think it is, that is helpful. Um, what, what do you looking for next? What's the next step to help these people who are still struggling? Yeah, um, so there's several studies going on at Mount Sinai um, currently. Um, I think we're really just trying to learn more about the, the pathophysiology, the underlying pathophysiology of this post-COVID um, constellation of symptoms. Um, and, and I think probably most 
pervasively the fatigue, the, the significant fatigue um, and, and the dysautonomia. So I think just really learning more about the underlying pathophysiology and sort of as time goes on, learning more about the sort of projected course um, or I guess, yeah, the course, the road of um, post-COVID post syndrome because, you know, in June when I was talking to patients, I didn't know what to tell them as to when they'd be feeling better or what the next few months would look like. But now we're sort of learning more about about this um, projected course. Do we know why some patients get this post-COVID and others just get better and never have to look back? Yeah, that's also a great question. It's something that we are trying to figure out as well. We're trying to study actually to see if there are any trends like just, you know, our patients who had underlying conditions more likely to get post-COVID syndrome is our patients who are, you know, had an underlying, you know, takes a certain medication more likely to get any kind of, um, are, are women more likely, are men more likely, are older patients? You know, we're trying to see if there's any trends to this. Um, so we are actually sort of actively asking that question. Um, the other interesting thing is it's not necessarily the patients who had the most severe acute illness, so like the hospitalized intubated patients who have the most severe post-COVID patient, uh, post-COVID symptoms. So that's another thing we're trying to figure out. Why are the more milder initial cases having significant post-COVID symptoms? You're looking at the trends. Is there any kind of uh, preliminary data that gives you any kind of answers at this point? Not really yet at this point. We're still sort of in the data collection stage. We haven't, you know, officially analyzed it. Um, just from my sort of anecdotal experience seeing patients, I, I personally haven't noticed any transit. It seems like, um, you know, young, healthy patients are affected, older patients are affected. Um, and like I said, it doesn't, you don't need to have had a severe initial illness to have severe post-COVID symptoms. Does that make it more difficult in some ways because there's no clear path to follow? Uh, yes, and I think it's, it's I, I like to tell patients, you know, this is what we can expect, this is what we've seen, and so it is a little bit um, frustrating when we don't have a clear um, course that we can sort of lay out for patients. There are people, I'm sure, who come here who wonder if they're ever going to get better. Yeah. What What is your sense what percentage of people will get, if not to 100%, close to it? Yeah, um, and that's a really difficult question to answer. I think a lot of patients have that question. A lot of them ask me, like, is this my new normal? Is this going to be my life from now on? Um, I think, again, this is all sort of projection, but I think that the majority of post-COVID patients are going to get better. Um, I think that this is a transient process, um, a post-viral syndrome <laughs> that is transient. Again, like we've seen with other viruses, um, I do think the majority are going to get better. It is a slow, gradual process. And like, we're now, what, a year out from when most patients got sick in New York last March. And we're still, our center is clearly still, still full. So um, certainly patients are still symptomatic a year out, but um, the overall trend is that they're getting better. And I do think this will be, a, from the majority of patients, a transient process. As a, as a doctor, you're in the healing business. You're, you're trying to give answers as you talk about. How difficult is that for you to look at patients sometimes and think, geez, I'm not sure where this is going? Yeah, it, it's, it is frustrating. And um, 
I, you know, yes, we want to help patients that, especially patients that are feeling so sickly, like many, many of the post-COVID patients are. Um, so it's, it's, it's sort of a different, a different way of practicing medicine in a way. It's almost like it's different than what I, what I was doing, you know, this time last year. Was there a point where all of a sudden it became easier to figure out what the problem was? I guess we started seeing similarities among patients' presentations, and it wasn't that, you know, patients were coming in with, like, random isolated symptoms, that there is sort of an underlying, I guess, unifying um, etiology. So I guess I guess just seeing more patients and learning more about um, patterns and, and similarities amongst patients did help us to sort of narrow our focus in a way, um, but I think there's still a lot to be to be learned. Um, so tell me what um, what you're up to in terms of your activity level, your physical abilities now. Yeah, so um, my physical abilities are much better. Um, I can cook, I can clean, I can do stuff around One of the patients Dr. Bosco saw this week um, is Caitlin Barber. Oh, you can walk down the stairs. Yep. That's, that's, that's yep. The stairs are yeah. fine. Her story is hope for COVID long haulers who don't yet see an end to their nightmare. Caitlin was a healthy 27-year-old when she caught the virus last March, likely from the nursing home she worked at as a dietitian. Caitlin did get better within a few weeks, but then got leveled by wave after wave of post-COVID syndrome symptoms. Worse than that, many of the healthcare professionals she sought answers from doubted her story. They simply couldn't understand what was happening to this healthy 27-year-old. By fall, Caitlin couldn't even walk. She told her story to our Peter Haskell. So now I, I, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, it's been almost a year um, of my COVID journey and it's been quite a year, but um, I'm slowly recovering and um, making a lot of progress. Give us a sense as to what you were up against. A lot. Um, you know, my husband and I, there, we went many, many months without hope um, that I would ever get better. Um, you know, COVID, COVID really took my body and did a, did a number on it. And um, it was, it's a very hard virus to deal with. And, you know, a lot of odds were against me. Um, I was pretty much bedbound at the worst. I needed three people to shower me, so the odds were against me. Um, but I have incredible medical providers down here in New York City, and that's why I'm better. When did you get COVID, and how much how much time did it take till you got these post-COVID symptoms? Yeah, I got COVID. Um, my symptoms started March 31st, 2020, so last year, almost um, a year ago, and. You know, my initial COVID wasn't too bad. I had, um, you know, initial COVID reaction wasn't too bad. And the, the post-COVID symptoms started um, right when I tried to go back to work post-COVID. Um, that I tried to go back for work, to work for a couple of days and the symptoms came back much worse and um, got progressively worse for the next six months. So um, it w until I got the proper treatment. What kind of symptoms did you have? When I had COVID, I started out, my first symptom was that I was tired, um, you know, and then I had headache, um, body aches, you know, your typical, I only had your typical COVID 
um, mild case. Um, it wasn't until after that the symptoms just got much worse. Um, I was exhausted to the point where I, I couldn't get off the couch, and that was the biggest issue, along with um, the body aches, the headache, um, the dizziness, the loss of sense of taste and smell, the mind fog. The there were you know dozens of symptoms that just kind of came in waves and it, a lot of it was just trying to manage each individual symptom until I could get the proper help doing that. What did your doctors at home say? My doctors at home said um, it was all in my head. Um, it was, you know, at, at this point COVID was a two-week virus and, you know, and it's, you know, a mix of different things and COVID was only a two-week virus so how could a healthy 27 you know I was 27 at the time how could a healthy 27 year old be sick months later you know and so at that point we didn't know a lot about the virus we didn't know about long haulers we didn't know about any of this um, and they told me to ride it out and we were hoping it would just go away and unfortunately that wasn't the case it's clear you were suffering and you've got doctors saying it's in your head. What was that like for you? It was terrible. I cried myself to sleep every night. Um, I I knew that there was something wrong. I did not. I, that I was not right. There's something wrong in my body. There's, you know, I was like an Energizer Bunny. I I was constant moving, and now I can't get off the couch. Physically, for you, how bad did it get? Physically, it was very bad. Um, uh, my husband and I had to move out of our apartment and move in with our in-laws. Um, I I couldn't stand up. I couldn't I couldn't move my arms. My husband was carrying me to the bathroom. Um, at one point, I needed three people to shower me. Um, I couldn't even stand up on my own without my heart rate just going off the charts. And um, so, f when physically, when to be so debilitated. You know, when you were so free before, it's you feel like you're trapped in your body. When did things start to turn? Well, things started to turn for the worst after COVID until um, about six months in. And they actually started to turn around um, at, the, at about the six-month mark. That's when things kind of, I got progressively worse for about the first six months that I had COVID. Um, and then... I was lucky enough to get into the Mount Sinai's post-COVID center. When I got into the post-COVID center, things immediately started to turn around. Um, with proper treatment and, you know, the proper medical providers, it, it made a world of difference. What did they do for you? They set up a whole program. In my case, um, I worked very closely with a cardiologist and um, my main doctor at the post-COVID center. and. They came up with a whole plan of breath work, physical therapy, compression stockings, salt and fluids. Um, you know, there was a whole host of interventions and treatments, and they, and it works. <laughs> it worked. But the journey was long and sometimes very dark. Caitlin's husband, David, shared his story with Peter. It, it was scary. It was frustrating. I mean, we, we had a front row seat and lived the, the COVID-19 pandemic um, unexpectedly. We re really, we, we figured that one of us would probably get it, but we had no idea it would go on for almost a full year. Um, it's tru truly life-changing for us. Your newlyweds, your new bride is struggling mightily. 
what was it like for you to see that and what was it like not being able to find her the help that she needed it, it was frustrating um it was scary you know they're the hardest for, for me the biggest thing was staying positive i had to keep a positive attitude um even the one night where she thought she was having a heart attack i had to call 911 I had to stay positive, you know. For a split second, when when we were in the middle of that episode, I started going down a bad road in my head. You know, maybe this is it. She's gonna die. And as soon as I started doing that, it took took me to a dark place. So I stopped, and I, I just refused to believe it. And then from from that point on, I refused to believe that anything negative. I, I just stayed positive. When you see Katie now, and you think about what the past six months have been like, what's that like? Uh, it's incredible. Uh, I knew that she would get better. I didn't realize it would happen as it did. Um, she was slowly, sl- very slowly making progress since September. And then the past month here, I'd say starting in February, end of January, February, her progress just shot through the roof. And to, to see her get better at the rate that she currently is getting better at, uh, it's just amazing, you know. I, I really believe she can she can do whatever she sets her mind to. And and for the other long haulers out there, um, she's a perfect example. I mean, she was probably one of the worst. I was pushing her in a wheelchair. Um, my my mother was helping bathe her. I mean, it was dark. It was, it was very dark. It was very scary. It was doom and gloom. And you just gotta you gotta believe you know and for the other long haulers out there you can do it you really can you can you can you can get better just look at caitlin who this week walked into the mount sinai post-covid center a new young woman last time i was at the post-covid center was about um december and you know every time i've come here i've been in a wheelchair and so to finally after a year be able to walk in felt so good to be able to walk into the doctors and and tell them that I'm walking and it just it's an amazing feeling. It seems there's this uh, growing community of people suffering from post-COVID symptoms. What what kind of group have you found and how has that helped you? Yeah I'm in um, a support group um, on Facebook called Survivor Corps and they have pretty much mobilized an army of COVID long haulers to try and figure this out, to try to get us better. I mean, last time I looked, there was 156,000 people in the group. Um, You know, they're saying COVID long haulers could be about one in 10 in cases now. And, you know, there's a lot of long haulers out there that are really, really suffering. And I hope to be the hope for them. I hope to be someone that they can look at and say, okay, this is possible. We can get better. Um, And I hope that everyone can, you know, I hope the medical treatment is available for people. That's something that um, really changed my life is having available medical treatment um, that knew how to handle this. How much of is it a positive attitude or is that really overstating it? Oh, no, you have to. If, I mean, there's certainly times where I was not positive. I'm going to tell you, I was not positive. I was so negative. I thought my life was over. And just having that little glimmer of hope is what keeps it. And that positive attitude, um, yeah, it helped so much. And to, to, to want it, you know, you want to be, you want it. You gotta, you gotta want it because it really, it meant a lot. And the positive attitude, I think, um, goes a long way. 
I think it goes a long way with people, and I think when they have it, they they will realize too with that positive attitude. Anybody with anything, it doesn't have to be COVID, will go so far. You've touched upon it in your past two answers, but just generally, the message to folks who are still suffering and wondering, am I ever going to beat this thing? What do you say to them? Ha have as much hope as you can. Hope will, will really go a long way. And I, I, my hope is that people who are still suffering are able to find the medical treatment. And I hope that they can, you know, I hope that the medical community, I mean, the scientists have been doing an incredible job with research and all of these things. And, and I think it's really coming together. And I think, you know, for long haulers, I think, you know, the mystery is, is starting to one layer at a time, you know, I think we're starting to kind of figure out the mystery of long COVID. And um, that's what I hope that they, the, the COVID long haulers will hear is that there is hope and, and you can get better. thanks to Caitlin and David Barber for sharing their amazing story with us and thanks to Dr. Bosco and her team at Mount Sinai for opening their doors up to us as well. 880 In-Depth is a production of WCBS News Radio 880. The executive producers are Peter Haskell and myself, Tim Schell. Subscribe to 880 In-Depth so you don't miss a week. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Just search 880 In-Depth. As always, be safe. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 